Hello, and welcome back to the 21st episode of the High Side News podcast. This week, we'll be catching up on the drama from the British Grand Prix and the latest racing from the British Superbike Paddock at Fruxton. Joining me, as ever, is the usual Hammersley duo of Dawn and Jack. Dawn, it's been a while. How have you been keeping? Fine, thank you, Luke. I'm busy with my social media. Yeah, you were down at Fruxton uh, on the weekend. Do you care to tell us uh, a little bit about how McAdam Racing and Mortimer Racing got on in Supersport and British Talent Cup? Yeah, uh, in the British Talent Cup, uh, we had Luke back from injury, so he completed his first ever British Talent Cup round. Um, we were really pleased with what he did. He, he improved every session and actually got some bike time, which was really important for Luke because, you know, being a new contender to the series. Um, poor Alexander got taken out in FP1 on the first or second lap, I think on Friday, which he just had a bit of an injured knee, but it put him basically on the back foot for the weekend. But he did really well. He finished just outside the points, but he was a little bit battered and bruised towards the end of the weekend. So he was a little trooper for what he did. Uh, and McAdam Racing uh, was the first time that Tom had raced at the track. So we were really pleased with what he did, um, especially in race two. I mean, he even led at one point. He was very competitive in both the races. So, And uh, Paul Max still wasn't quite 100%, so he couldn't compete. So we were really hoping to see him back racing at Cadwell Park for the next round. Well, it seems like it was eventful in both the classes that yeah. you were uh, sort of keep an eye on as such. Yeah. Um, good morning, Jack. Long time no speak. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing good. So the Superbike Racing gave us some shock results with Championship Challengers finishing lower than expected and two rookies really sort of stealing the show uh, Froxton. Did you think it was good to see some of the newer names in British Superbikes fighting at the front for once? Yeah, it's, a, it's Froxton's always one where it's very much machine but rider dependence at the same time and if we've seen with the BMWs and Ducatis, if the and the new tyre, if those combinations don't work, you're pretty much finished for the whole weekend. And it was just nice to see the Kawasaki's and Yamaha's being the most competitive bikes again, because that hasn't been seen for a couple of years. And it was just nice to see all the new talent that will probably be dominating the championship in a few years' time, uh, showing what their, their potential is. Yeah, it's obviously... Like you mentioned, the new talent, obviously, meaning Charlie Nesbitt, Max Cook, both really, um, well, outshining their teammates in ways because Cook was back. Well, Cook got more of the attention than Lee Jackson, I'd say, even though Lee was on the podium multiple times. Um, but yeah, it, it was good to see the younger and sort of newer guns fighting up there. We'll stick with the British Superbike Championship and we'll talk straight away about McCams, McCams Yamaha, who announced the other week now that they are going to be departing from British Superbikes come the end of the year and that OMG Racing will get the uh, factory Yamaha support uh, starting from next season. So then that leaves Jason O'Halloran without a solid plan for next year. Obviously, this weekend at Fruxton, for everyone who saw it, Jason completed a triple, winning all the three races across the weekend. So he's definitely put himself in a good position for uh, in, in the shop window and is with his with his stock market now as well. Um, Jack, with McCams leaving, obviously a big blow for the sport. Um, uh, OMG have sort of outdone McCams over the last few years with Brad Ray and uh, Ride and Vickers now this season. How much of a loss are they going to be for the championship? Because obviously we've seen them win multiple championships and they've had great riders in their time in the sport. Yeah, they're multiple-time world champion, not world champion, British champions. They've always brought out some of the best bikes on the grid and always fielded some very good riders and talents who've gone on to become world champions, world race, world championship race winners. So it'll be a shame to see them leave. But hopefully, uh, it's nice to see that their first round where they've announced their departure has been their being their best weekend in quite some time. So hopefully, that form can continue, and maybe JC's lot can actually reverse itself from the past two seasons. Yeah, because sort of like you mentioned with his luck towards the end of the season, it's not really gone. 
his way when it comes to the, the showdown as such at the end of the season. Um, but obviously, yeah, put himself in a good position now. Dawn, obviously I've not seen anything. It's a bit too early to see where Jason's going to go. Some people have asked that maybe he'll go to OMG. Can you see him on a Yamaha next year at OMG? Or do you think Vickers and Ride is pretty much a nailed on lineup really for next season with them? Well, the rumour mill before um, the announcement that McCams were leaving was that um, Jason was probably going to go to Honda. That's what I heard, but I don't know how true that was. And that was before I knew the team was sort of folding, so to speak. But And then now the rumours were quite hot that he is going to OMG. So therefore you think, well, are they going to run three bikes? Um, and people talking to people, they seem to think that it'd be O'Halloran and Ryan Vickers and perhaps Kyle might be having to go. So it'll be very interesting to see what the announcement will be because it, Vickers has been outperforming Kyle in the last couple of rounds. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I actually hadn't heard about O'Halloran and and sort of out of my own sort of thinking of the grid for how it's doing this season, I'd sort of put O'Halloran there anyway without McCams leaving. I just sort of assumed that would happen. And I then thought that would be where he would go, but and then I saw people ask him, will he go to OMG? And it's sort of the thing of, Jack, do you think it would be harsh on Kyle to if he doesn't move to, say, um, World Supersport or something, do you think it would be harsh on Kyle for OMG to let him go in place of Jason? Yeah, you'd say so, because he's been, Kyle's been in the team for three years. He's always been... Solid. He's a bit inconsistent, but he's always you can always pull out a good result if he's on good form. But now that OMG are the going to be the full Yamaha supported team, and given Jace's performance on the Yamaha since going on there, you can sort of understand if if you, if it came down to Yamaha having to make the decision, I can understand them wanted to choose Jace over Kyle simply the fact that Jace. In in this decade so far, has been the strongest rider. So, in that sense, it it makes sense. But I think if you're looking at longevity, depending on what Kyle's intentions are, I think you have to weigh up the pair and who's most likely best for your future. Yeah, sorry, I'm just having a look out of my own interest. How old Jason is? Ah, uh, thirty five. See, I get what you mean. Yeah, longevity terms, you'd go Kyle, but for sort of like the here and now go Jason on current form especially uh, obviously I think I think personally it's going to depend on how this season ends and I think if Kyle does beat Jason in the championship then I would be surprised if it let him go because it, it would seem a bit harsh on him unless he did move on to a world championship or whatever but um, it, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on and it's definitely a shock that McCams were going to leave um, I didn't see that coming before or before I'd heard that it might happen. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a shame not having them on the grid, but OMG are obviously taking over, and I, I'd say they're worthy successes for the, the factory support for Yamaha. They've done well with Brad Ray, and now obviously with Kyle and Ryan. But other BSB news, Davey Todd is going to be back on the BSB grid at the end of the season as he signed with Taz Racing, for the 2024 road racing season, but he's going to compete at Donington Park and Brands Hatch at the end of the season on a BMW instead of the Paget's Honda. Dawn, uh, a few people I'd seen on social media had said this was going to happen. Um, obviously, good to see Davey back on the grid, current Superstock champion. Bit of a surprise that he left Honda when he did. Obviously, it hadn't been going well in Superbikes, but they were still there at the Northwest and... Um, the, the Alaman TT, of course. So you're a bit shocked when he left Padgett's? Um, not really, because to me, something wasn't right at the TT. And um, since then, we've hardly seen him and he hasn't really competed with the team. And at the Latin, at Brands, he was in the Supersport class, uh, reported sort of giving data that might help uh, Taron McKenzie. And a lot of people that spoke to him um, said that he wasn't happy, he hadn't got that normal cheeky little grin on his face so I wasn't surprised at all when he left but it's it's glad that he can get the final two rounds in in the superbike class just to perhaps to see what he can do and he must be relieved that he's got his road racing contract sorted for next year because he 
you know, I think that's probably his passion over the, the superbike racing. Yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it was, it's a bit different to see him leave mid-season. Obviously, Superstock went really well last year. Superbikes wasn't going great. Like you said, the, T, the TT was decent, but I guess not what he was expecting. But to see him on a BMW, which of course Hickman with the FHO Racing is doing so well on, Josh Brooks made a good sort of appearance at the TT on the BMW as well. Jack, do you expect big things from Davy Todd next season in the, the road racing scene as such? Yeah, I mean, the, the TAS team are really good. We've seen what Sealy did in the Northwest. Guy Martin has always been a podium, it's always on the podium with them. So Davey's in he's really progressed over this past couple of years. I think the Northwest, he could easily be the one that could challenge uh, Glenn Irwin for victory. Uh, in the TT, I'm not so sure how well he could do there, but I think um, Davey's picked a good team to, to go with road racing-wise. Yeah, especially like you said with Celia, I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about him at the Northwest as well, and going back to, to Guy Martin as well. But it, it's a good team to go to, good manufacturer to be on. Um, I, I could see him doing well. It's a bit of a shame, really, that so far we don't know he's going to be competing in British Superbikes and or Superstock either. Um, we discussed this just before, very briefly, about Danny Buckham and whether he might leave Synetic BMW who are supported by Taz Racing I believe um, and if he because his season's not going great at all he's way down in the championship the bike hasn't been working out he'd want it to Dawn could you see Danny leaving and Todd sort of taking that seat in British Bikes for the next season or even towards the end of the season yes definitely yeah. I, I do think probably Danny will make the move where he'll go perhaps try to go back on a Kawasaki where he started his early career in the superbike class. But yeah, I could see Danny to probably try and save his career, try and make a move to another team for next year. Yeah, Jack, he's down in 20th in the championship. We were saying, you know, he goes well at Knock Hill and obviously he was running all right there until his bike broke down. Um, we were also sort of Cadwell is where we expect to see him do okay next. Um, what do you put it down to this season with, with Danny and Sonic BMW? Do you think it is just the bike performance itself where it keeps seemingly having mechanical issues throughout the season? Yeah, you know, he, he the like, you know, the start of the season is he had a some form of failure or something when um, he crashed at Silverstone and cussed himself and then from then on that dominoes just kept falling. Anytime there seemed to be some kind of hope for Danny something would go wrong, would that be a crash or a breakdown? And it's sort of weird to see the Synetic BMW having all these problems because TAS have never been one to ever have mechanicals. I mean, they used to have... Christian Eddy would always have one when push came to shove for the showdown qualification. But um, usually Synetic have always been... Well, TAS have always been solid in terms of reliability. So it's a bit of a... Weird one, but we've got to just wait. Well, it's just the new. We've seen the new BMW have do have some mechanical failures with that. with Scott Redding or Brooks or Hickman um, in World and BSB. So I think Danny will just be wanting a smooth weekend. I, I think he did. He's done some uh, track days as well at Cadwell. I know there's a few BSB teams doing track days at Cadwell. I'm not sure if they'll have a test, but. Hopefully, Danny can have a nice smooth weekend and replicate what he did um, in uh, last season. Yeah, Cadwell, obviously, next weekend. Um, the final round before the point system changes for the, the end of the season to make the Championship Challenge more interesting. And staying with the Championship Challenge sort of line, we'll go to Jason O'Halloran, who Dawn, as I've mentioned, a, a triple at Fruxton. You were both obviously there really something that could be expected from Jason because of how well he goes at Fruxton. Um, but the way his season had been going was maybe a little bit unexpected in a way. Uh, what did you make of, of his performance across the weekend? Because really, from watching at home, it, it looked stunning. Yes, it was. I mean, to to come back from 
where he was on the grid and then just to fight his way through. On paper, you wouldn't think he'd ever do it. And you probably think the, the way his form's been that he wouldn't do it as well. But he, he just delivered a masterclass. But I'm really interested now to see how he can go with the next round because um, I don't think his form's normally too... He's won a before. Yeah. But I'm interested to see, can he follow it up? You know, has sort of the fact that he hasn't put pen to paper that we know of for a team next year, that he's really got to boost himself. But it was great to see. I was really happy for him. Yeah, it, it, it was good to see him up there. And obviously, Jack, with his championship sort of rival struggling, do you think Jason is now back in this? Do you think he can, if his luck turns, realistically challenge for this championship? If he goes into the 2021 mode and starts winning and getting constant podiums whilst Tommy and Glenn, because we're sort of getting to the tracks now where you need rear edge grip and that's what the Ducati doesn't have. So maybe Jace could turn this around. I can't help but think tracks like like Brands, he's he's won every year since 2020, but I just feel like I don't think he'll have enough for that weekend. So I think no, but he can definitely put on a late charge. Um, it will just come down to the consistency of the PBM guys and whoever the other, you know, you, you still can't, they're still like the top seven is all separated by eight from third to seventh. It's like hardly any points. So it could be any, any one of them really that could still pull on some uh, late charge. Yeah, the top eight are separated by 88 points, which may seem like a lot, but Jason's almost halved his um, gap to Tommy in one weekend, and obviously the point system's going to change. Brands Hatch has going to be a load of points on offer for race winners, so the whole thing could go into the last round of the weekend and be completely different by the end of it. So it's all going to be very interesting when that happens. There'll be definitely some unhappy and definitely some very happy riders come the end of the season, but... um, We'll see how that goes on that front. I'm glad you mentioned the Ducatis as well, because Dawn, it was awful, really, for all three of the Ducatis. Like Jack said, they don't have the edge grip. It seemed like the same with the BMWs. Um, Tommy's worst weekend by far since joining PBM. Um, Just, he sort of tried to stay himself, I guess, in interviews. I watched throughout the weekend, but it just maybe a thing of, like Jack said, with tracks now that need this edge grip, a problem maybe for his championship that Jason could pull in? Or do you think he's still going to be pretty comfortable with his 26.5 point lead? Yeah, it's just BSB and you just never do. You just don't know. And It, it must have been difficult for Tommy because I don't think he's had much success at Thruxton and it's his home round. <laughs> so, but it was almost like um, that Tommy and Glenn weren't there. You know, there was no TV coverage of them and you know, I can't say I really saw them around the paddock either. So to me, it was almost like they weren't, they didn't compete in all three races. It was very strange considering how dominant they have been up to this point. So his, is this the changing point? You, you just never know. Yeah, like you said, you know, it was like they weren't there. In the final race of the weekend, Franco Bourne, who is a very new rookie to Superbikes, beat Tommy. Uh, you know, Tommy was 15th, Franco was 14th, and that's someone who's in their ninth British Superbike race against Tommy Bridewell, who was the championship mm-hmm. leader. So I can't imagine how he felt at that time, overtaking Tommy, but it just, yeah, it might be the turning point that a lot of people were maybe hoping for, because it looked like these Ducati boys were going to run away with it, mm-hmm. especially that all three of them were coming on to form as well. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Tommy as, you know, one of the home riders, Jack, the main sort of home hero, I guess, from the weekend was Charlie Nesbitt on the, the Hawk Honda. A rookie in his first full season in British Superbikes, let's say, because he appeared a little bit towards the end of last season on the, the Suzuki. Honestly, do you think this is sort of Nesbitt coming of age this season, sort of his breakthrough round, or do you expect him to be back towards sort of like 10th position come Cadwell? Yeah, well, he showed he showed glimmers of good signs throughout all the season, and then I think Fruxton just because of how the bike, because of the bike's natural strengths, with cornering, it can just drive out of corners. I think that naturally helped him. But 
I think now Cadwell he won there last year on the Superstock. Yes, I saw the Suzuki, but still. So I think Charlie can now be a regular top five contender. Um, showed everything go well. That honestly, I think everyone knows that Charlie's talented. You know, seen it from his GP two days as well, where he dominated that series. Um, It'll be good to see him up at the front. It'll be good to see a Honda up at the front in British Superbikes, to be honest, because they've been, well, like in MotoGP and like World Superbikes, they've been nowhere in the Superstock class. They've been great, but it's just, yeah, it'll be good to see Charlie up there and good to see the bike up there. Um, Dawn, obviously, the other young rookie who, you know, was a very disappointed, I think, not to get a podium, but still wasn't a bad round for him, was Max Cook and obviously Lee Jackson's teammate, the... FS3 Kawasaki rider made a massive jump up to Superbikes this year. What did you make of it? Because obviously his teammate did well, the bike did well. Do you think it was just one of those rounds where everything sort of fit into place for him? Yes, I do think that, but I think he's just a massive talent and I think he's going to definitely be a star of the future. Um, the maturity he shows for such a young rider and to do what he did, like I say, I was just so disappointed that he just didn't manage a podium spot because that would have meant everything to him. But I don't think it'd be long before he will be on the podium. And he's like, I think he's definitely going to win the championship in the next couple of years, really do. Yeah, I, I could see that if he doesn't get snatched up into a, the world championship before yeah. he wins it because he obviously, I think everyone can see it. Um, he is... Such a talent. I'm not. How old is he? I'm not actually sure off the top of my head. Um, he's twenty. Yeah, he's only twenty. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um. Wow. Yeah, he's he has come on leaps and bounds this season. You know, obviously it's a massive step up from where he's the championship, the, the class he was in into super bikes. Made that sort of gradual progression so far this season. You can see it when you look at his results. You know, sort of picking up low-end points at the start of the season and now he's jumped up and 15th in the championship still but he's in there with the likes of Tom Neve, uh, Storm Stacy, not far behind Peter Hickman who is having a very poor year in British Superbikes by Hickman standards but he's there and he's fighting and it's it's, it's good to see. Um, just looking through, we, we've sort of mentioned Vickers, um, actually we'd, we'd go over to Cook's teammate Lee Jackson first because it it just seemed like this was the round for Kawasaki because Lee's sort of been floating there or thereabouts throughout the season. Obviously changed some stuff with swing arms at the start of the season. Jack, what what did you think of, of Lee? Can he carry it on to, to Cadwell, do you reckon? Or do you think Fruxton was just sort of one of them one off rounds? Cadwell he's always gone well there, even even when he was on the Smith's BMW, he held that record for quite a long time. so if uh, And the Kawasaki's biggest strength is corner entry, and you definitely need that at Cadwell with all the change of direction and undulation and all bends. So leave with home round, I think he can definitely be a, a winning contender should the bike um, continue to be at the level it was at Fruxton. Yeah, obviously, yeah, like you said, he's... He... Done, he's done well, it's just the Kawasaki itself has been inconsistent, I think is the best way to put it this season. But then that's across every class again. You see that even in World Superbikes as well at the moment. But it is interesting. There is still a few names in there that I'm I'm not sure how we're going to finish the season off. Obviously, we've got Ryan Vickers who's coming on strong and looks like he wants to put in a late charge to get his place secured. You've still got Leon Haslam there on the BMWs picking up solid results, even if they're not race wins or podiums all the time. Kyle Ride is... Kyle Ride's one that's always intrigued me when it comes to British Superbikes. And I don't know if you both agree here, but it almost seems like as the season goes on, he drops off, if that makes sense. He starts off on a high and then he just sort of... Which, he's got the talent, and we all know he has. We've all seen it. Again, GP2 came straight into Superbikes on Suzuki and won at Silverstone and that opening season of his. Um, Dawn, well, I don't know. I can't even explain it, and I, I don't know how to explain it with Kyle because it's it's just it's just interesting. What what do you make of his sort of time in Superbikes and how it just sort of filters out at the end of the season and sort of drops off? 
Yeah, it's like you say, you always had such a dominant start sort of Fulton Park. He, you know, he's had wins and that. But as it does sort of hit the middle, he does just seem to lose it for some reason. And, you know, he had strong starts at Thruxton, but he just sort of knew that he wasn't going to clear off and he wasn't going to win. And he does, he eventually goes back to like sixth, seventh place. So um, I suppose him and um, Tommy Hill will have to sit down together and give him some structure for the next round, definitely, because he, he needs to get on that podium um, to just get a result for himself, really, to not let any doubts creep into his head. Yeah, but sort of, I don't see that at Cadwell, but obviously Alton, Donington and Brands, I think if he's going to put in a late charge for this to, to beat Jason and potentially, you know, if Jason is linked with OMG and is going to go there, sort of save himself, if that makes sense, to make sure he has got that ride for next year. Um, Jack will briefly talk about Ryan Vickers. He sort of had an opposite season, started with an injury at Silverstone, uh, took him a while on the Yamaha, and I think a lot of people were starting to think, okay, maybe this hasn't worked, this gamble of theirs, but and I, I was one of those that when he got announced, I thought it was a massive gamble, um, but I've been proven wrong, and I'll admit that I was completely wrong. Um, sort of the difference between the two and Ryan sort of coming on, do you think it's just this is the bike for, for Ryan and Superbikes as such? Yeah, I mean, it, the Yamaha is probably the, the most rider-friendly bike, and uh, he won his National six, Super Stock 600 Championship on an R6, so the feeling would be somewhat similar. And I think it just naturally suits his riding style and... You know, we've seen he, he used to be renowned, a renowned crasher, and to us, I can't remember the last time I saw him fall off. So he had a, he had a, he had a little um, crash in FP2, but I, I don't think he's actually DNF from a race this yeah. season from from memory. So I think that's you know because he's getting actual track time now, and he's full of confidence. That's all the difference. And plus Roger Marshall helping him with um, rider coach, and I think all these things have just blended themselves together. Uh, sorry, you just said about his DNF. Snetterton, was that a bike? That was a bike failure, wasn't it? It didn't crash. Yeah, it was in mechanical. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, he so hasn't, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't crashed out of a race yet this season. And that is that is something, actually, because last season, like you said, he was known as a crasher and he was on the he was on the BMW last year. And I was sort of thinking, that's what made me think when he went to Yamaha, the thing of, it would just continue to crash it probably, and it's going to be you know not a great look for him. But he's done the opposite. He stayed on. He's proven everyone wrong or all his doubters wrong, and it is, it is good to see. And it's another young talent coming through British Superbikes. Um, we'll have a quick chat over about Super Sport because that was a eventful weekend again, like it always seems to be in in, in that class. And I just had a chance to watch it this weekend and. I was, it was almost a bad result for Ducati Superbike in a way because their Superbike team turned it around with Ben Curry and won uh, both the races. I was going to say quite comfortably, but I think it was just a solid ride from Ben and showing the talent that he has. Jack, what what did you make of his Supersport performance? Because really it was sort of his best performance of, of the year. Yeah, I think um, the bike, we saw it shaky when he was on the, the V-Twin. The, the Catty actually had edge grip and could drive it, and he has got the fastest lap, like, lap record. So I think the Catty V2 does actually suit the edge grip compared to the, the V4. And plus, Aussies, as shown by O'Halloran and Brooks in the past, that and Bayliss, that Brooks and, ten, and Billy McConnell as well, tends to be quite a happy hunting ground for Aussies. So... I think that sort of helped as well, and Ben just did the in race two, especially the Jace plan of just sitting at the back of the group, saving his tire, and then come the end of the race at the most tire and took dominance at the end. Yeah, it, it was a very well thought out ride, just like Jason's, like you said, and it was it it was good for the Ducati fans to at least see. A Ducati on top of the podium may not have been the superbike Ducati, but it was a Ducati. Um, Dawn, another rider, Reese Irwin on the Suzuki. We've talked about him so much this season, it seems, and he's just sort of 
still there, sort of won't back down, it seems, from this championship fight when maybe no one expected him to be in the championship fight at the start of the season, a, a third and a second place. He's still going on strong and really putting it, putting himself on the list for a world Super Bowl, uh ride next season, which is what he wants. What, what are you thinking of, of him so far? Yes, definitely. And like you say, he, he's finishing on the podium nearly every round and no one would have ever thought that. Not so much doubted probably him, but the bike, the fact he's on that Suzuki and how old it is. But no, he's doing great. And I think definitely someone will sign him up for World Supersport next year. Definitely. Yeah, he is a, a great talent and he's proven that. And it really is showing that he's fighting. He's only... I have it open somewhere. He is... 14 points behind Ben Curry, who leads the championship. So, and he's got two wins to his name, four seconds, two third places. So he's always been a consistent podium challenger. The only round where it didn't really go right for him was Donington, uh, where he only picked up two points. But really the rest of his season, when you look at it, is a very, very good performance uh, throughout the, the, the year for him. Um, Jack, a rider who had one good race and then struggled in race one because of getting out on track because of a, a mechanical issue. The Tom Bufamos, obviously, very strong contender for the championship, good in world super sport. We've seen him fight towards the front there as well. Bit of a race one disaster for, for Tom? Uh, well, when you look at the lap time, he was actually... As soon as he got out on track, he was seven. At the end of the race, he was seven tenths faster than Curry. However, you do, you do have to factor the, the, the battling that was going on as well. So, I think had Tom actually been in the fight in that race, he would have been somewhere in that. I don't think he would have won, but he would have been somewhere in that lead group, obviously. But I think I'd, I'd classify this as a bad weekend for Tom because usually. He's always in the battle for the win, and he just seemed to lack something in race two compared to what Corey and Reese had. Yeah, I, I get that, and I'll, I'll agree with you there. That yeah, maybe not sort of where we're used to seeing um, Tom battle for, and sort of not let down by his machinery, I guess, in race one, and maybe that didn't go to plan for him. Brands Hatch wasn't great for him either with how he did there. I think he only picked up about six points throughout that weekend. So really halted his championship and Luke Stapleford as well. The, the two Kawasaki's who it looked like were going to fight for this championship the whole way have sort of dropped off a little bit with the Ducati and the Suzuki fighting now. It's the whole interesting championship, especially with the amount of bikes as well. And obviously top Yamaha is, is still Tom and he's, he's fighting well in, in Supersport as well. It's just, yeah, it's it's interesting, like, super bikes, and it's one of those that I think is going to go down to the final two weekends of the season to see who sort of can pull out some really strong results at the end. Um, just thinking through super stock in my mind. Billy McConnell in super stock getting his first win of the season, I believe, and Dan Linfoot getting his sixth win of the season, I think it was, so... Sort of two opposite winners, really, and Dan sort of still proving that he is got the talent after sort of a poor year last year in in Superbikes at the start of the year. Um, but no, it's it's very sort of all around the the grids. It's very interesting for championships wise, and we will mention it. We talked about him briefly before. Casey O'Gorman stepped in. Um, did a is it a one off ride or is he gonna I think it was just a one-off, but, yeah, I, but I, I won't be surprised if he if he mm-hmm. has because I think because he has such a long off season with, in ETC and Red Bull rookies, he might as well do what he can. So I won't be surprised if he does more wild cards, especially with uh, OMG's rider having uh, an injury. Yeah, obviously Pirelli uh, Nash Pirelli National uh, Junior Super Stock Championship. Casey Gorman came in with OMG. Did a potentially a one-off, we're not sure, ride with them. Um, qualified, was it second on the grid? Did he get? Did yeah. He yeah. Put himself really in the fight and then got taken out just as the warm-up lap started. Honestly, gutted for him. 
seems like such a great talent. Uh, I've spoken about him with a few people about you know how he's going to do and how his future could end up. And I think I saw a lot on Twitter and Facebook about if his future is managed correctly, then he's going places. And honestly, I have to agree because it seems like any bike he gets on, he can make it work. Because that was his first time. That was his first time on the Junior Superstock bike, wasn't it? He yeah, he was he's, talent cup. He's, and ridden, he's, he's practiced bike as a Triumph seven six five, I think. Right. He yeah. does. He does know the power, but he, it was his first time on an R six. It was, it was good. I'll, I'll give him that. It's around Fruxton as well. Yeah, true. I thought about that. He hadn't done Fruxton when he was racing in the championship, of course. It was, yeah, Dawn, I don't know if you have anything to add about Casey and sort of what you made of it, other than sort of utterly disappointed for him. Yeah, very disappointed because like, I was just so excited to see. I mean, he's got the talent. He could have gone out and won that, you know. But we'll just never know. So I do hope he does get another round. And I and I think because he put such a strong performance in up till the race point, which wasn't his fault at all, that I think the team will give him another round if their current rider, you know, still can't make it to the grid. So fingers crossed he can. Yeah, he's he's another rider who seems really mature for his age. Sort of saying that it's just he's sort of there for a a little bit of fun, but also there to keep his options open in case the junior GP route doesn't open up for him and maybe he won't get into CEV like he wants to, but, you know, he's putting himself there and I'm sure a lot of teams will now be intrigued by him in in the British Superbike paddock and hopefully things go well for him on a European route, but if it doesn't, then I think a lot of people will welcome him to the British Superbike paddock with open arms with the way he did across that weekend. Yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll talk about MotoGP because we have that this weekend. The Austrian Grand Prix, always one that throws up good results. Um, with you know, with the classic Lorenz, uh, the classic Davizioso and Marquez battles in the past. We'll start with Jake Dixon in the Moto Two side of things. Obviously, you you were both at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix. Things didn't go. Great for Jake there, I think is a bit of an understatement, really. Um, Crashing qualifying, taken out in the race. Jack, not what Jake would have wanted for his home Grand Prix. Uh, I think everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for that (laughs) Saturday onwards. Um, And I think... This weekend is going to be a telltale sign of where he is mentally because I honestly will not be surprised if Jake goes out in front, leads, and then just dumps it out of anger. But I think this is time to prove that he's he's a different rider and he can if he can he can win and he can put it on you know do a really good race and just finish on the podium. I think that's what the target's got. Obviously, he said in his interview with Neil, that he's just going to go out and win every race, even though I presume that was the plan anyway. But um, I feel like I would not be surprised if Jake does crash out of the lead in this one, but I'll have to just wait and see. Yeah, that's one thing with Jake that I wouldn't be surprised about. Obviously, good talent. We've seen it apparently in talks with Grassini for a MotoGP ride for next season. Apparently that's happening at the moment. Um, I'm glad you mentioned his interview um, it was interesting, I think is the best way to put it. Where you two were at the circuit, did you not see that until it was... We, on couldn't, we couldn't hear it where we were. Yeah. You could hear, like, muffling, but you yeah, couldn't... Because the were getting past, you couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah, so I'm guessing you didn't see that until it was on social media. No. Um, Dawn, I'll ask you both about it. Um Dawn, what were your initial thoughts on that interview, sort of from Jake's side and TNT Sports side of interviewing him at that time? I think, like for the TNT thing, that that's what they do, and you know they'll do it to all riders if they can, you know, and you know with it being Jake's home round, you know people want to know what happened. So Neil Hodgson was just doing his job; he, you can't fault him for nothing. And Jake, I'm you know I'm a real big Jake fan, but Obviously, he spoke in the heat of the moment, whether he 
loops back and think I shouldn't have said what I did because it was slightly cringe worthy really what he was saying but you can understand it home grand prix taken out but in Darren Binder's defense yeah in his Moto3 career he was dive bomb Binder he was doing the moves but in MotoGP and since he's been in Moto2 he's not really been doing those I suppose naughty moves so I don't think he deserved the harsh criticism he got from Jake but I do understand why Jake said it but yeah yeah it was yeah, I think you said that perfectly, actually, with the cringeworthy side of it and TNT's side of it, of doing it, you know, it's their job sort of thing. Jack, what did you make of it all? Any different opinion, or are you pretty much of the same stance on it? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, Darren, when Darren was interviewed, he made a very good point of he felt like he was being punished for his past, not the movie itself. Because I'd love to just, if they could just show the replay of them going through the chicane to understand where both riders were at that point because it, it looks like Jake's tried to go round the outside for that entire section, which perplexes me quite a lot, which which makes me understand why Darren wouldn't have known he was there. But I feel like Darren's been just a victim here of... He, he couldn't have physically seen him and if Jake didn't pass him at Vale, then he would have no idea he was there in the first place. So... I feel like Darren's sort of just been the guilty party here and he's not actually done a lot wrong. So I do feel sorry for him in that case because this season he has been involved in incidents, but he's been taken out in all of them. He's not been the one doing the, the crashing. So hopefully um, yeah, Darren can just have a nice, safe weekend and yeah, get back to some good form because he's, he's shown glimpses of hope in Moto2 and I just hope that, you know, Darren can just get a better name for himself because he doesn't really deserve any of that since Portimao 2021. No, I, I agree with you there. His Moto3 incident was bad. I will admit that. It, it was bad and it, he got a lot of hate for it and sort of became a bit of a laughing stock, I guess, on social media. Did well in MotoGP and he sort of stayed out of trouble since. And it's just the only thing I, I guess you can say that would have stopped all of this is... Um, the Gas Gas Aspar press officer who it did look like he was right there at the time when Jake was being interviewed and I was partly expecting him when watching it live to sort of step in and go yeah this this isn't happening sort of thing um, so I guess the only way it could have been avoided was that but you know the emotion of a racer came out we don't want them to be robots and just sort of say it's nothing sort of thing a bit like how it is in Formula 1 we want the sort of raw emotion from the riders and how they see it at the time obviously jake probably will do less media stuff this weekend i imagine after sort of the backlash he's got but i'd like to hear his opinion now and what he thinks sort of after was it now two weeks has it been since then so sort of time yeah. to reflect on it but it's an interesting one and let's hope they don't come anywhere near each other on track or like yeah. say around the Red Bull ring because yeah. it seems like the boxing gloves are off now for Jake and it might be a bit of a bit of an interesting time for his teammate um, anyway we'll look at MotoGP Alicia Spargaro won in Silverstone in sort of a dramatic way you could say Just don't think many people expected it to happen he goes well there though um, Peko you know, just usual Peko sort of taking the results he can. It's the sort of Peko we've seen since um, since his mistake in America, really. Sort of the one we've sort of seen now. He will settle when he knows he can't win races, and like last year's Peko. Dawn, I'll ask you about Peko actually. What do you think of his sort of form? Because it sort of has, it does seem like he's made a step mentally of, okay, I can't win this. I will take second place sort of thing now. Yeah, definitely. And that I think that's, I did feel sorry for him at Silver leading the race for so long. And then just because the conditions just changed slightly on that last lap, that yeah, I think he just reluctantly thought, well, you know, I want to stay on, I want to get second place, it's points. I think he's maturing great. And uh, I think he, he'll show his form definitely the Red Bull ring this coming weekend. Yeah, I think. It's a track that Ducati go well at. It's somewhere that he goes well at. He's done well there in the past. He'll 
definitely be at the front again. And if he's not, there's something wrong, I guess, with his bike. If he's not up there or he's been taken out is the only thing I could explain it as if he's not there. Um, Jack Alasius Fargaro really put in sort of a great weekend. And it's something that has been a long time coming, really, for him and Aprilia. Maverick was there as well. So was Miguel. Um, a track where Aprilia just sort of go well? Or do you think they've maybe made this step and their bike is now where it should have been at the start of the season and sort of where they promised it would be. I think the track suit just suits the, the bike, you know, long sweeping corners of the Aprilia is really good at turning and obviously got a lot of drive grip as we can see. And its main, I think its main weakness is straight line braking and at Silverstone you hardly do any of that. So it's, it's all on the side of the tyre most of the time. And I feel like, especially like last year, Leish probably wouldn't have won if he hadn't eye-sided and hurt his ankle. So I feel like Aprilia and Silverson just go very nice together. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's a track he goes well at, a track Aprilia go well at. Um, not sure how to do at Austria, because like you said, their straight line braking is not great, and it's a lot of that at Austria. Um, Miguel seemed to be coming of age as well. Uh, after his injuries at the start of the season. Looks like he's finally sort of catching up and proving why he should be in that seat. Um, a lot of rumours Ralph Fernandez would have been out of a ride, but that seems to have been sort of hushed down a little bit since. Um, just thinking of, of a, I guess, the other talking point, and it's a major one throughout this season that we've had, is still Yamaha. It's still the Japanese manufacturers. I think Fabio came out and said it's embarrassing or something along those lines that, that they're so sort of bad in a way. Um, Dawn, the situation's not getting better for Fabio. He's now throwing out threats that he could leave Yamaha. Um, Lynn Jarvis said in an, an interview with uh, GP1 that they are aware that there is a threat from Aprilia and Honda trying to sign Fabio for next season. Do you think he would leave if the Mizano test bike is still as bad as this one? Yeah, I could actually see it because you just don't want, as a competitive uh, racer, another season of what he's had. I mean, he was sort of a bit like um, Tommy and Glenn. At Silverstone, he didn't show up. You know, it was it was really strange. But, uh, yeah, I could see him leaving. He would obviously break his contract, put Yamaha in a bit of a sticky situation with only, with not having any riders on their bikes that, that know the bike. Um, obviously, it has been announced Rins is going to Yamaha. So I'm just trying to think if we've done a podcast since that happened. I think we yeah, might one. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously Rins going there, Morbidelli leaving. Still don't know how Morbidelli's going to go. Still interesting on that side, whether Bez is going to go to Pramac. Jack, do you think it would be a mistake of Fabio's to leave Yamaha for Honda? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because the Yamaha, it may be terrible, but at least it's rider friendly. and He may be crashing, but that's because he's pushing over the limit, whereas the guys at Honda, that, like Mia, for example, I don't think even he's pushing to its limits and he's still crashing. So I think Fabio should just stick it out with Yamaha because then, you know, the it seems to me that Alesh will probably retire next year and the Aprilia is probably the most V4 bike that is a, that has the characteristics of a Yamaha. So I feel like Fabio needs to just be patient, knock on the door for Aprilia and try and get in there. But I feel like, I think 2018 for Yamaha was like their worst season when they came out and publicly apologised how bad they were. And somehow they managed to get do worse this year. You know, at least, at least in that season, Rossi and Vinales were getting podiums, fighting for podiums, and Rossi was always able to pull out a top six out of nowhere. But this season, yeah, Frankie—it's been terrible. Frankie's been—I've been really impressed with Frankie actually because in that Silverstone race, he was running really strong before. I think, I think he had a, an actual tire issue wasn't his fault, and it's sort of amazing me how Frankie—I feel like he's just been completely undermined just because how bad Fabio is. So I do feel sorry for Frankie because he's definitely been the worst, got the worst out of this, I think. But hopefully hopefully, a pair of them can have better seasons next year, wherever they are. Yeah, and that's the other interesting thing with Frankie is 
Um, it seems like he might end up in VR 46. And then that would mean Bez or Marini would get moved on. And the rumour is Bez is going to Pramac. And then that puts Zarco out of a ride. And before Silverstone weekend, it seemed nailed on that Lequona was going to be riding for LCR Honda next season. And now there's been talk that Zarco might go to LCR Honda. And he's even said publicly that it would be a great honour to ride for, to race for Honda. Don't know why um, it would be in his aspect. But Dawn, if Zarco did make a miraculous switch from Ducati to Honda or he gets pushed out the door, say, from Ducati to Honda, um, do you think that would be a, a plus for um, Honda getting in a rider who's ridden on a, a Yamaha some time ago now and most recently the Ducati and has probably done a lot of testing work for Ducati? Yes, definitely. I think um, if they had to choose between him and Lacrona, then definitely I think uh, they'd be rubbing their hands together if they did get Zarko, definitely. Yeah, it, it would be a weird one, I think, for Zarko, because it would probably be sort of a career ender purely because of his age currently as well. And I think that's his only negative at Ducati is his age and how he's so much older than all of the others. Um Jack, do you think it would be a good move on Ducati's side to maybe part with the older rider and bring in the younger rider of Frankie into VR46? Or do you think it would be a silly move to get rid of Zarko? It's, I'd say it's a bit of both because Zarko, he's never going to win a world championship in my opinion. That boat seems to have gone. He'll always be a solid rider. He'll always be top five easy. But I feel like you, you've got to, you know, I feel like Frankie's won before Frankie when he's on top. He, you know, in training, all I'm all I'm seeing at the moment is apparently Frankie out the VR forty six lot is the one who does most of the winning in terms of training. So if Frankie can apply that to GP and I mean, if he's on a Ducati, then I can think Frankie could probably be a world championship contender like he was in twenty twenty. But with Zarco going to Honda, I I just get reminiscence of him going to KTM and that went complete. That was a complete disaster. I can't help but think Honda in a situation where KTM were in 2019. So I feel like Zarko could probably do a year and then that'd be his career over unless he went to World Superbikes or something like that. Yeah, I'm um, I'm glad you said about how um, Morbidelli was fighting for a championship because it seems like, I don't know if you guys have thought of this as well, but it seems like a lot on social media that people have sort of forgotten how good Frankie is and they're sort of saying he's he's bad when really he's he's not he's yeah okay he's had bad seasons let's all be honest it's, it's been poor in recent years but he can fight for wins he's a moto 2 world champion he used to he was runner-up in 2020 to to mia in that weird covid season but he can still fight he can still be there so i'd be interested to see him on a Ducati, and in a way i hope it happens for him because it would be good for him um Trying to think if there's any other sort of silly season stuff that I've I've heard. Yeah, we're trying to get six bikes. Yeah, they're really pushing for that, aren't they? They are really, and I think I can't remember where I said where I saw it. It might have been Now Moto on Facebook where they said um, KTM are the only manufacturer that are saying no to Honda and Yamaha having concessions next year, and they also want their other two bikes on the grid. So they sort of have a bit of a bargaining chip to Dorna of a way of, you will say yes, if you give us our other two bikes, which I did think was quite an interesting sort of uh, idea as such. Um, Jack, what, what do you think of the whole uh, KTM side of things towards uh, their six bikes for next season? Uh, I can understand because you know, you've got, KTM, they've got Gas Gas, then they can have Husqvarna, and they're the three big brands that they own. And it makes their lives a lot easier in terms of keeping Augusto and Paul on the grid, as well as having Pedro and potentially Marquez or whoever would else fit that Husk that second seat to Husqvarna. So <clears throat> for that sense, it makes a lot. It makes their lives a lot easier because it means they don't have to bin off Paul or Augusto. Pedro and yeah yeah I, I do think obviously there has to been the Mark rumours and 
the Pedro thing is the biggest thing, I think, the way that they want it, because they want to keep the four they've got and bring in Pedro. I am sorry about that, Jack. I did get a phone call just then, so <laughs> I didn't want to leave you going on too long. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a problem for them, because obviously Dawn are holding out for this new manufacturer to come in, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I don't know who they think is, is going to come in. Um, but no, if they get it, Dawn, do you think if they get the extra two bikes, it's a bit too much where we already have so many Ducatis and then we'd have six KTMs and only two Yamahas and no Suzukis and four Hondas and four Aprilias? Do you think it would be a bit too much for two manufacturers to have so much of the grid locked out? No, I think KTM can handle it. They're a very experienced outfit and they're just so popular because something that me and Jack noticed, I mean, normally when you go to a Grand Prix, um, it's just a sea of uh, Valentino Rossi clothing and, and, you know, obviously there was that. But I would say most people were in KTM merchandise, which to me just shows how much that team has grown in, you know, in just a fan base. So... No, I, I think they'll be fine. And, I, you know, I think KTM's the way to go at the moment. Yeah, it seems like if you can't get on a Ducati, you go for KTM and then you go for a Pro. Oh, yeah. that, that seems like the way to go at the moment. Um, yeah, the whole thing with Mark Marquez leaving seems to have died down a bit. He seems to have sort of... seems like he'll be loyal to Honda. Joanne Mir said in an interview with Crash.net that he's going to be loyal to Honda and he's fully committed for them next season. So it seems like Repsol Honda might not change. Um, there's still that Grassini Ducati, though, which is still one that I'm not sure about. And it looks like Arbelino might get overlooked for it, which I think he should get it personally, but it looks like Jake's got a shoe in for that. And it's just another one to keep an eye on. It now looks like it's between two, and it looks like, to me, it's between those two. And it could be an interesting one against it. I want Jake to get it for the British side of things, but I think talent-wise, Tony Abellino gets mm. it in my mind, especially how he's done at the start of the season. Um, anyway, looking at this weekend, let's make our predictions and uh, wrap it up with that, shall we, for who we think is going to win the, uh, the three different classes across this weekend. Just getting my notes up so I can write it down. Um, Jack, do you want to go, go first, as always, put you on the spot again for who... Uh, we'll go Moto3 first. Uh, Ayumu Sasaki. Any reasoning why for Sasaki or just... He smoked them all last year. He's clearly the... Fa- in my opinion, he's clearly the fastest one. He's had a number of second and third places in the past few races and I feel like this is the round where if he gets just a little bit of clean air, he'll leave them for dust. Fair enough. Dawn, what are your, your thoughts when it comes to Moto3? Yeah, I'll have to agree with Jack on that. I'll go Sasaki. Okay. He's one strong at the moment. I'm going to stick with it. And the one weekend I didn't pick him, he did well. So I'm going to go with Messiah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to go back to that old faithful. Yeah. He's probably going to do bad now. And I'm sorry, Messiah. Um, Jack, Moto2. Who do you think? Huh? The Costa is just breaking and... It's just braking and acceleration, and that's Pedro's biggest strengths. So I, I feel like he'll have a somebody will contend with him, but I, I feel like his strength in braking will just be maybe if his injury's still playing him a bit, a bit that's the only thing that can hold him back. Yeah, that, that is the, the only way I could see him not winning. Um, Dawn, I'm guessing you're going with the, the same with Acosta or? Yes, definitely, yeah. Yeah, clean sweep for Acosta then. That was my initial thought for this this weekend. Um, MotoGP Sprint. Jack, who are you going for for that? Brad Bender. Yeah, okay, fair enough, yeah. Don, what are your, your thoughts for the sprint race? Yeah, I'm torn between Binder and Bezeki. Okay, so yeah. I'll Okay, yeah. Someone's got to go something different because... Yeah. Just before you said it, Jack, I'd just written down Vinder as well on my notes here. For who <laughs> it. I'm just thinking of the break, the hard breaking, and Vinder yeah. seems to be sort of a match this season. Um, the main race, though, Jack, are you sticking with Binder or are you going with someone else? Paco. 
fair enough. Ducati route. Dawn, what are your thoughts towards the main race? Yeah, Peko. Okay. Uh, now, don't want to go the same as you both. <laughs> um, go Binder. I've done that over Costa. I might... Ah, uh, Binder. KMD World Air is the home one. Um, no, I'm going to go completely different. Miller, why not? Chuck him in there. <laughs> I don't think anyone's mentioned him for a while. So I'll throw Jack Miller in there. So, um, yeah, I think you two will do pretty well this weekend on predictions. So uh, let's see how that goes. It'll be an interesting one this weekend. I like the Red Bull ring. It's a good yeah. track for MotoGP. Always throws up something. Um, normally pretty close racing. And I look forward to talking about it next weekend with you both. Uh, thank you for both coming back on after a, a little break that we've we've had from the podcast. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Find all our social medias down below in the description of wherever you're listening to this podcast. And thank you very much, and see you next week.